0: Oh dear. Welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, where we discuss all things app development. I'm your host Rob J and in this episode I chat with ex-Apple employee turned indie developer Alex Star. We talk about working at Apple why he chose the indie dev route, choosing happiness over profit, launching a product finding your audience, and much, much more. Now on to the show. Just before we get into today's episode, if you're listening and you're enjoying the show and you would like to become a supporter of the show, you can now do so for as little as $2 a month over at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash support there's a number of different tiers to choose from and of course they are all aptly coffee names so if you want to buy me a monthly espresso you can if you want to make it a cappuccino you're welcome to and if you want to make it the affogato then you're also more than welcome to for those of you that are not coffee connoisseurs an affogato is a scoop of ice cream with an espresso poured on top it is delicious but seriously speaking if you want to support the show i would hugely appreciate it whatever you want to give goes a long way in helping me keep this show running so coffee encoding pod dot com forward slash support now let's get into today's episode we could jump straight into it so i i want to get i want to get a little bit of background so for people that are listening who don't know who you are um just like a brief kind of your journey i know you've been doing android for like at least 10 years now it seems like you kind of started um around the same time that i started actually but it seems like you kind of did the opposite where you went from um working to Uh, going independent and I went from going independent to working. So can you give like just a brief kind of overview of, you know, kind of like your journey into development? Mm -hmm.
1: I started uh, uh, working with Android uh, and uh, working at a company basically at 2012 and I've been uh, working both professionally and on my own projects since then. Um, I've worked on uh, multiple different uh, projects, like different fields whatsoever. For example, I started working with uh, building SMS clients. Uh, then later on, when I uh, went to the UK for my master's in human-computer interaction, I ended up moving to London where I started working at a product agency where we would do all sorts of different products. So I worked on uh, magazines, TV, uh, betting apps as well. So there's a lot of uh, different spectrum of applications that I've worked on. Uh, And later on, I worked on uh, um, Shazam, uh, the music recognition app, which is more about artists and music uh, in the music industry, basically. Overall, even though I I absolutely love development, um I love other things as well. Like I love designing as well. I worked as a uh, product designer for a year as well. And my master was more into uh, design and uh, the human aspect of technology. I realized that I like a lot of different things, basically. And uh, I realized that the more further up you go into the career ladder, uh, the more specialized you need to become, uh, the more specific stuff you do as well. And uh, when I realized that, like I always knew, of course, but when you start growing, becoming more serious about it, then I realized that, you know, I'm don't think I'm becoming happier out of this, you know? So one thing led to another, the pandemic as well. And, uh, here we are doing, trying out my own things now.
0: Okay, nice. All right. So I, I want to backtrack a little bit because I want to, I want to talk to you. and know you have a blog post. I think it was, a. Uh... Uh, what was, I've got a title of it here somewhere, happiness over profit. So I definitely want to talk about that. But just before we get to that. So I, I know that you worked at a bunch of companies. You worked at Shazam. I know on your, on your Twitter, it says X apple. So I kind of wanted to just, uh, very briefly dive into like what that experience was like. Because personally, I worked for a lot of like startups and like corporates, but in terms of big tech, I have zero experience of, of what that kind of thing is like. And I think a lot of listeners do as well.
1: Yeah. So for those that are not aware, and I get that kind of a lot, uh, Sazam is owned by Apple. They used to have, I think, a very good uh, relationship for years and years, and uh, eventually it got, it got acquired by them. Um, overall, it is how you would expect, um, like any software company to be. I'm not going to talk specifics, but more of an overview. Um I think overall throughout my career it was the best project I've worked with uh, the uh, I've worked on the best people I've worked with uh, best salary bonuses uh, perks and all this kind of stuff but in the end of the day you still have what I mentioned earlier that um you know when you're hired as a developer you're going to be asked to do you know developer specific things um and uh, you know even though that part of me absolutely loves it I have other things that I enjoy doing as well I love designing, talking to people, trying to find out what works with them, what doesn't work with them, and so on, so on. So it felt many times very limiting to
0: me. That that totally makes sense. So leaving that, what was the kind of decision? I know you said like, you know, developers do development stuff, you want to do other stuff, but was there like a... A moment that you were like, I need to stop this and do something else. And did you know what the else was that you were going to go into? Or did you just decide that you wanted to do more and you were going to leave and figure it out?
1: It was more into the, you know, having this feeling that, you know, I don't think this is going to get better. It is nothing about the company or the occupation, I would say. It's more of a personal decision. Um, And uh, even though I didn't know what I would be doing next... I was trying to kind of, let's just say that I do this thing to myself. Um, When I want to do something, I kind of try to push myself, remove every kind of excuse that I have for myself, to kind of push myself into the place, like corner myself into the place that I want to be. So one kind of issue or weird phobia, I don't know however you want to call it, for doing this transition was... You know I, I cannot leave my well-paying job, I cannot leave this. Um, like I'm going to I'm going to to starve man. I'm not going to have anything to eat and I'm going to go poor or whatever, which is it's mental, it's not true. like if you are conscious about your uh, spendings and um, you know you understand how much money you spend in a monthly or yearly basis, you can do some basic math and see how many years you can you know basically do nothing. Um, I understand that, you know, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky to be in a position that I can, you know, not work, basically not have any income. And for a few years, I can experiment with things. Um, but if you do have this opportunity and that's what you want to try it out, there's nothing else stopping you, right? So it, it didn't, again, it was not something happen, uh, at the job and I'm like, okay, that's it, I'm done. But it was more of a, you know, it kind of starts building up. Like, oh, you know, uh, over the years, I also had this um, thought in my head. How cool would it be if I were to do my own apps, for example, get paid for that? So over the years, it builds up. And at some point, you're like, okay, I think it's now or never kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. And, and I want to dive into some of the stuff that you did. Because I know, so I didn't know that you had a blog until I was like doing a bit of research for this podcast. And then I started reading your blog, which is actually really good. I'll link it up in the show notes. So people can go and read it. Um super interesting stuff. But something that I wanted to touch on before we get to that, or I guess the question is for you is so this idea of like happiness over profit, did that happen before or after you left?
1: It was before, but was much quieter than it is now. As in It's not one of those things that you uh, get out of bed one day and you're like, you know what would be cool? Just quit my job and do my own thing and just do it. It doesn't really work like that. At least not for me. I don't know for other people. Uh, But yeah, it's like you have those... No, I cannot speak for everyone. I have, you know, those things, uh, those thoughts, like how would I want my life to be? How uh the ideal life would look like by the way i don't know yet i'm still trying to figure this out but i know which parts i want to get rid of and i know which ones some of the things that make me happier make me want to get out of bed being all excited that i'm going to be doing xyz for example i want to be doing more of those instead of uh just being paid well if that makes sense
0: yeah no it it totally makes sense because i think like, I have a, I have a similar philosophy, which is I don't like to do things that I don't like. It's like, I don't like to take roles just because they're going to pay money, but I'm going to hate it for the six months that I work there. Um, and I know a lot of people that are in roles that, you know, they pay really well, but they don't like it. And it's like, you know, there has to be a balance somewhere because what's the point of making all this money and being unhappy at the same time? Absolutely. And then obviously there's no point being super happy and broke because then I I imagine a lot of people wouldn't enjoy that either. So you've got to find the balance, yeah. But I just thought it was really interesting because I haven't seen any developers kind of speak about that before.
1: That is the thing. I I think that was also part of the reason why I want to be a bit more, you know, open about this Uh, because the more... Every time that I would talk to people and friends and family about, hey, you know what, I'm thinking more about the things that I want to be doing instead of how things are supposed to be, if that makes sense. It's like you have this framework, like get out of university, actually live your life, go to school, university, uh, get a good job, grow up the career ladder, get married, you know, the the usual stuff. And I'm like, sure, that sounds like a good framework for life, I'm sure it works for many, many people, but what if it doesn't really work for me? Like, what if I want to try out to see what works, you know, extremely well for my case? And that's what I've been exploring now. Uh, I don't, even though there are people talking about this, like uh, there are books about lifestyle design and so on, I, at least for the way where I'm from, it's not very uh, common to talk about those things. Hence the blog writing about my experiences, basically.
0: Yeah, I totally get it. I mean, I, I've definitely, I think I've even read some of those, like those books, but I feel like the people that find those books are the people that are already thinking about that stuff. And the people that have no concept of this, they don't find it unless, you know, they stumble across your blog po- posts or they're listening to this podcast and they'll be like, Oh, what is that? What are they talking about? Kind of thing. So yeah, that's what, that's what I always find um, really interesting. But okay. So we can move on a little bit. So you quit. So you've quit your, your quote unquote, you know, proper job. And you've decided you want to do indie stuff, right? And like, I read the post that you wrote on it. I thought they were super interesting. I had similar experiences, but kind of just, um, I guess if you could go through kind of not so much the ideas, but like the good and the bad, because obviously you made this decision. I don't know if that first six months or how, how long is it since you quit your job now? It's less than a year, right? Still or no? It's less than a year. It should be around nine months now, I think. Okay, gotcha. So I guess the question is, is it what you thought it would be and kind of what have been the pros and the cons and like the things that you've learned doing it so far?
1: So I can uh, definitely say that has it is absolutely nothing that I was expecting it to be. To be honest, I didn't have much expectation, but as in the target, how exactly life would be, but um, the process of it, I was not expecting it a lot uh, at all. For example, while building your own products, uh, there are always these kind of ups and downs, mental, uh, emotional up and downs, uh where sometimes you feel like, oh, you know, I'm into something, I'm building this, and people will love it. And then uh you get stuck on something for a good period of time, and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. Why did I even, you know, consider doing this, what i mean doing, and so on. And uh, you kind of need to control that. Like in the very beginning, for me, it was... A roller coaster, man. Like, uh, I remember just being stuck at my place, working, working, coding, and not being happy at all because I'm like, where am I going with this? And um, one of the main things that you kind of come across, you need to figure out soon, in my opinion, is, you know, if you're independent, you're not just a developer anymore because it's not as if you have clean tasks that you need to figure out and just do them, right? You need to figure out what is the most, what is the thing that people will value the most, for example, and build that. High chances are you're not going to get it right the first time. So it gets down to trying to narrow it down, uh, to a point that you can ship it very quickly, see what people think and iterate basically. That takes a little while to get used to that. Um, but yeah. Other than that, for example, you need to figure out how to get people... Uh, it's not just uh, building the thing, but also marketing it, right? That is not something that they teach you while build, while being a developer, right? So you have to figure out ways, uh, trying to find out who you're building for, what do they like, what they want to talk about, and so on. And also how to reach them. So it's a whole... It's an interesting uh, journey, I would say.
0: Yeah, h- no, 100%. I Yeah, I mean, I can relate to most of that um, because it is like the development part for us and people listening is easy because we're all developers. It's the rest. It's like, you know, there's no point building this great thing. No one's going to use it because they don't know about it. So you have to learn marketing and all that kind of stuff. But what would you say is out of the things that you've done so far um, and I know what they are. So if you want to shout them out, that's totally up to you. But I was going to say like, are there any things that you definitely would say I did this wrong and I would do it differently in the future? And then on the other side of that, are there things that you're like, like my next project, I'm definitely going to do this because I feel like this is the way to do things.
1: Absolutely, yes. So uh, the very first thing that I built that I think was a good idea, but it didn't really get anywhere, uh, was a uh, SaaS uh, website, basically, where you would, for people that have podcasts or any audio-related files for their businesses, They would upload the files and I would create a short video clip for them, uh, like to have transcripts at the bottom of the page and uh, have an audiogram and so on. Uh, Even though people were really excited about the idea and I did have regular hits, I didn't want to make any money for it basically. And I think that the problem there was two things. The one is I wasn't quite uh, sure or I, I wasn't quite ready or I didn't have the understanding yet of how to monetize things, uh, I thought you build something, you build a great product, and that's it, and everything else would come naturally. It's not like that at all. Um, so two things about that is uh, to first figure out how to talk to the to the people to to understand who is going to use that first, because on paper what I just said it's very very broad. What who? In reality is going to use this instead of oh I'm building this website that converts your audio files into video. Like it's much easier to figure out um, a niche basically and try to talk to them get to their community now with the internet you can reach basically anywhere in the planet or the target audience at least. So it's uh, it, it's a no-brainer to try talking to people first. Go on reddit see what they're discussing about, what the problems are, try to uh, reach out to them as well, and then start building. Or try to build something so small to get some um, first uh, users, build some connections there, and see how it goes on. So the... Uh, and about this, I realized that you know, um all these years that I've been working basically, um it's not that... I, I I was also part of the Android community a lot. Like, uh, I was writing blog posts. Uh, I like hanging out with people as well. So I realized that, you know what? That communities uh, are people that I genuinely care about. I know them. I know how, um, you know, information travels, let's say, around the communities, the places people hang out and so on. So I'm like, it would make way more sense for me to build something, you know, valuable for those people instead of trying to uh, get into a new community all from from scratch, basically, and make myself known there. So, my my new take on this is trying to find out a place where you actually hang out already and you know people, and start to build out uh, things for them. So far, it seems like uh, it's working. So I'm pleased.
0: So we'll get right back into today's episode but just before we do do you regularly end up scheduling meetings where you have to go back and forth with people via email or via slack asking them what time are they free what days are they free and trying to line up a time that works for you and works for them because if you are then you might want to check out TidyCow. Now there are a lot of calendar scheduling services out there. Most of them charge a monthly subscription fee, which is why I really like TidyCow because TidyCow is only $20 one-time purchase fee forever for all of their features. TidyCow is what I use to schedule this show. So I ask someone to be on the show and rather than going back and forth, By email or dms trying to organize the time i can just send them my calendar the calendar they get is synced up to my actual calendar so they can see the slots where i'm free and they can just book in whatever time suits them get them on the show and bring you this great content so if a calendar scheduling tool sounds like something that will be useful for you, then head over to coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash TidyCow and check out Tidy Cow. I would highly recommend it. I use it myself. I don't like paying monthly fees. So for a one-time fee of $20, I think it's totally worth it. Now back to the show. It seems like it's going great. So I have a couple of questions on that because I know you released like a framework, I think it's like a framework library for Contacts. Um, and then I saw that you did a project, which is essentially you built like a, uh, let me, let me get it up because I don't want to misdescribe it. There we go. The Compose Starter Kit. So it's like a, a project that shows you all the things about Compose that you've done, I think using the Contacts library. And it's kind of, I found it really interesting because a lot of people do this sort of stuff where, you know, I, I, I built something, here you go, open source, this is the best practices and stuff. And you didn't do that. You you made it a paid product, which I think is really interesting because I've not seen anybody, and maybe I've just missed it, take a project and make it a paid product as essentially like a tutorial resource, right? So instead of buying a tutorial, I can buy this thing, I can look through the code, I can see how it works, I can see the best practices and all that kind of stuff. So where did you get that idea to do that from, or or was it just by chance? Because I I definitely haven't seen anyone else do that.
1: It was completely by chance, as in... Uh, I remember ages ago, I wanted to build a contacts app and I realized how bad the contacts API on Android was. So, uh, I ended up, I ended up more or less abandoning the product, the product, the idea for building a contacts app. And a few months later on, while I was this up and down, uh, as I was saying earlier, the emotional uh, roller coaster I was in, I needed something that I knew to keep me happy, basically, um, the closest thing as the closest thing to that would be a side project, basically, that you build something for yourself, something that makes you happy. So I ended up doing that, and uh, instead of building the contacts app, I ended up building the library for contacts. Uh, I open sourced it, open sourced it. People liked it, and I'm like, okay, you know, this feels nice, basically, but I didn't really give much thought to it. I kept adding more features as a side project because you know I was interested in the project. And later on I came with the idea of, you know, Compose is kind of new and people seem to be very excited about it. Why don't I try to build a Compose app using the API that I also enjoy using, you know, it's so nicely done at that point uh and trying to put the price on it to see what would happen basically and that's how it happened
0: okay nice all right so um, would i be right in saying that because i went on the website and you did this interesting thing where it's like you know the first i don't know the numbers exactly but the first 10 people that buy it get for this price then the price goes up and then the next 10 people until it gets to like a price that you would expect that sort of thing to sell for and were all your sales so far primarily through twitter or were they through other avenues
1: no it's mostly twitter I'm still trying to uh, explore other ways for traffic, um, but I would say traffic, uh, Twitter is the number one source of traffic for my stuff for the time being.
0: Nice, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good way to leverage it. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and for people listening, I'll link up the library and I will link up the uh, project in the show notes if they want to go and check it out. Um, and then I want to move on a little bit. So you did all that stuff, and then now you have a book coming out I think it's coming out because it's still pre-orders, right? Which is going essentially and get me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea is to take an Android developer that understands, you know, the regular views and XML and stuff to compose. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so my question on that is kind of when did you have that idea and what has that process been like? Because so I want to get, I I don't want to jump into compose yet because I have questions about that separately, but just kind of in terms of the book. Um, like, when did you get the idea Is this is a project? Because I imagine when you, left, when you left the job to go and be an indie developer, I would think that you weren't like, I'm going to leave this to go and write a book. Um, so how did mm. that kind of come about? Uh,
1: so it's kind of a funny story because um, I was out with a friend having coffee and we're talking about indie development, doing your own thing. And at some point we talked about Compose and this friend of mine kind of brought up the, you know what, it's so annoying how there's no such thing like um, to, to know how to do things from view to compose straight away, and I have to go through everything basically to understand how to do the most basic things. And that kind of like, uh, you know, I kept thinking about it over and over again. And then I realized how, you know, basically when someone, m- including me, when I was uh, learning how to use compose, I would search you know, the web, go to Stack Overflow, go through different comments, one would be outdated, I would have to go to the next one, search on blog posts and so on. So I'm like, okay, how about I write a blog post? I wouldn't want to start writing a, a book just to see, you know, straight away if people would get it or not. Uh, so how about I write a simple blog post, do a very basic introduction to compose, like, you know, you know how to use views, here's how to understand uh, t- to get a basic idea how to set up Compose basically in your product in your project and how to uh, do the most basic things in Compose. So I wrote that and I did a Twitter uh, thread as well, and people seem to like it a lot. Like to my standards, it went kind of viral in the community, like uh, 500, 600 plus likes, retweets, and so and so on. So even though you know, with the knowledge they have now, I wouldn't say that, you know, this is a clear sign that you are going to make money out of it. I'm like, there's definitely some interest there. So I started exploring a bit further, and I'm like, okay, so this keeps going on and on. And I remember doing a tweet saying, if we manage to get 2,000 followers on Twitter, I'm going to write a book about it. And uh, people kept following more and more and more. To the point we got very very close. Like I think I, I was like until on Friday, if we manage to do this, I'll write a book. And we didn't get to 2,000, but we got very close. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it anyway and see what happens. So the next days I create the pre-order of the book, and uh, people, uh, I had the, many people actually pre-ordering the book. I'm like, well, to me that's a good indication that you know I should do this. No matter what happens, I don't care. I'm not aiming, you know, to make a huge profit out of the book, but it's more I see it as an education, trying to find out basically how the whole selling products work, basically. So I see it as a very good exercise. So so far it has been going pretty pretty good. The book uh keeps getting pre-orders every few days, and um I'm very close to getting the last part done and then move on with the next uh, project. It's uh, it's a learning experience. Experience.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds really good. So I definitely have had the same experience as you. So I've literally, I think, yesterday as we're recording this, properly sat down to start learning Compose because doing the contracting and stuff that I do, like there's nobody's using compose right so i ne- i never had to know it and i feel like now it's starting to catch up so i need to start learning it and i have the time but i always when i've looked at it before you know i've watched the the videos on youtube that google puts out and stuff and i always found it really annoying that they give you all these new concepts but they don't tell you like right if you want a like a horizontal linear layout this is kind of the equivalent if you want a recycle view this is kind of the equivalent so it, it, it is really difficult to be like i could knock up this layout in 5 minutes and now it's going to take me an hour just because I don't even know the terms that I'm supposed to use. So I think a resource like that, definitely, that's something that's something that I've been lacking. But I wanted to get a little bit about, not the writing processes, but like what's the process of going from writing this stuff out to actually having a published book?
1: Keep in mind that uh, it is a self-published book. Like for the time being, everything is through, I'm generating it on, um uh, through, you know, tools on my machine creating a PDF and then publishing on a site called Gumroad. Uh, so basically the process is in the very beginning I created a table of content to understand whether people whether it resonates with people, whether it makes sense, you know, for someone to purchase a book that has this sort of information. Um, and in the very beginning I wrote the first chapter which was about text and I basically gave it away for free. If you go on the website you're going to see the actual first chapter and that helped me you know do a little bit of uh, user uh, research to understand whether you know I personally think uh, if I had this that would have helped me a lot but it's not what I want or what I need it's about what other people want and need. Uh, so I created the first version of that and I gave it to a few people and they absolutely loved it. Like, Oh my God, this is amazing. First of all, it's, you know, mapping one to one how text, uh, text view works and how text in Compose, uh, works. And uh, also it's very on to the point. I'm trying to write as little text as possible. It's literally, if you check the table of content, it's like, uh, uh, how do you use custom fonts? No. How do you use custom fonts? And below that, I'm giving you very little information about any sort of theory, like one-liner that you need to know. Like, get the full the font files into your resources. That's how you read them, and that's how you use them, and that's it. So you can basically copy paste the thing. Also, the PDF makes it very you know straightforward to copy paste. It's that's about it. I think that the book itself as a format is kind of a lie. Uh, it's better to see it as a resource where you know all the information that you need to do the job to get the job done is in one place instead of looking at it as a book that you need to go through you know read on your sofa and so on it's more of a companion to your development uh, time basically so i gave the the first chapter out there i got some feedback and after that uh, i kept writing and writing and every now and then i update the I share some updates on Twitter, again, get feedback from people, maybe some people like something, maybe they don't, move on with the next one.
0: Okay. All right. That totally makes sense. And then just on a side note, because this is interesting to me, is um, why a book and not like a Udemy course? And do you have any plans to kind of make it into like a Udemy course or something like that?
1: So it is a book because uh, I decide to, I always go with the simplest approach I can. Uh, meaning, if I were to do a Udemy course, it means that I would have to understand what Udemy, how it works as a whole. So uh, instead of that, because I do have a lot of experience writing blog posts, to me writing feels kind of like a, a very straightforward thing to do. I know I, I know how to use Markdown as well. I like how to f- I know how to format code and how people would read this as. Let's say that I understand the medium, so it's not. It was much more uh, comfortable for me to create this book instead of uh, trying out different medium that I'm not aware of. And also, in the end of the day, what's more important for me is to understand how to create something, um, find the audience, and sell it instead of creating, um, you know, uh, training courses. For example, I believe uh, Udemy is for video courses, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's. If you were going to take your book and put it on Udemy, it would basically be a video of you reading a chapter with some screenshots of the code or something. It's kind of like a lecture mm. in, in that kind of sense. But I imagine for you, like you could easily do like five, ten minute videos, like super short, um, for people to loop through. I, yeah. That's, that's my experience of it. I haven't, I've seen, I've, I've bought a few Udemy courses. Um, but I know a lot, a lot of developers, when they are trying to teach something, they always go to like, udemy or video courses on youtube or they self-publish and stuff i don't know that many again that do a book so it's quite unique that you chose to go that direction but the fact that you stick to what you essentially stick to what you know is the fastest way to get it done so that totally makes sense
1: yes absolutely i did try uh, experimenting with video a bit like i did some very short clips literally taking content of the book and turning them into a very short uh, screencast like two minute stops uh, and saying, you know, this is how to do, uh, how to use custom fonts uh, in Compose. You do this, you do that, blah blah blah. And people again seem to like it on Twitter. So I think that more of those are going to be coming as soon as I finish the book because it's taking a lot of my uh, my energy. So as soon as that is done, I think I'm going to focus more into uh, short screencasts for Compose. But the Udemy courses, I'm not sure. We'll see. It's one more tool in the whole. Uh, all, one of the things that you can do online these days right which are a lot of uh, different options these days
0: yeah i was gonna say it's, it's just an option that's available to you so it's it, yeah that doesn't mean that's the direction you have to go um cool all right so before we wrap a question that i like to ask everybody so the question is what do you think in your opinion separates a good developer or an okay developer from a great developer
1: I would say that uh, everyone can become a developer, as in, technically speaking, you for becoming a developer, you need to be able to develop apps, software, like to know the technical things and um, build a solution to them. A great developer, on the other hand, um, is the person that can work great with other people and actually understands that, you know, we are a team, we're heading towards a common goal. And if we have a disagreement on something, it doesn't mean because, you know, I don't like you personally or I don't like the opinion that you have, your solution, but it's because I believe that this is the best approach. Let's discuss and come into, um, you know, uh, the, the best solution that we can get so that we can get closer to the end goal that we have. I think that a lot of people see development uh, as a very, like, technical uh, occupation. Uh, but in reality, I think I would say it's a very social one because unless you know how to coordinate and work with other people, then you're not really going to get far, even if those are other developers, designers, product people, and so on. So yeah, that's the distinction in my
0: mind. Okay. Yeah, that's a great answer. And I would 100% agree with that. And I would just add to that, that the people that I've worked with that I would consider, um, I don't know how to term it, but not the best developers that I've worked with in terms it would be in terms of that like technically they're great everything else is not there and you don't want to work with them so it's not just about the technical skills 100 percent. yeah okay that makes sense to me um okay cool and then final final question um is where can people find you online where can they find out more about the book where can they find out about um, the compose kit all that good stuff mm-hmm. uh,
1: so i'm uh, very active on twitter you can find me on uh, uh, alex still that's my handle which is s-t-y-l uh, lately, I've been uploading those uh, video clips, the screencasts that I mentioned earlier on YouTube. You're going to find them similar in the similar user handle Alex still which is S D Y L. Uh, and uh, you can find the book on ViewToComposable.com, which has the first part of the the first chapter of the book, which is about text. And uh, you can pre-order it from there and read everything. Uh, any kind of question you might have is answered there. But if you need to reach me out for any way, please do so on uh, Twitter. Like uh, tweet me or message me. And uh, yeah.
0: Huge thanks to today's guest, Alex Style. Make sure you check him out on Twitter, at Alex Style, and over on his website, alexstyle.com. All the links are in the show notes. And that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or fellow developer. And if you really want to support the show, you can do so with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com forward slash donate. And if you don't want to miss future episodes of the show, make sure you follow or subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.